My name is Zach Como, Associate Editor at My Tech Decisions. Welcome to My Tech Decisions Podcast. said, uh, my name is Zach Como and I'm your host. Uh, today's episode is about how end users can stay secure while working on their home network. Uh, and there are now a huge amount of people working from home due to COVID-19, the novel coronavirus that's impacting the daily lives of just about everybody. Uh, many offices and workplaces are shut down all over the world and that's forcing employees that can work from home to do so. Uh, it's creating a lot of issues for your IT department, I'm sure especially with the inherently unsecure home networks that a lot of people are using. So today's guest is Leon Adato, a head geek at IT software company SolarWinds. We talk about what end users and IT departments can do to ensure employees are as secure as possible while the world locks down and fights this global pandemic. Before we get to the interview, here's a quick reminder that My Tech Decisions podcast is available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Make sure to subscribe and download the latest interviews with expert AV integrators, IT providers, security installers, manufacturers, and technology decision makers like yourself. You can leave a comment and rate the podcast as well. Search for My Tech Decisions Podcast in the iTunes and the Google Play Store. Without further ado, here's Leon Adato. Uh, yeah, so... um. A ton of people working working from home. We all know that that storyline. What are the, the cybersecurity issues associated with that? Um, so the cybersecurity issues with work from home uh, have a lot to do with the fact that people treat their home network as a plug and play um, environment. You know, they, they buy a router at your big box electronic store, they plug it into the box that they got from their internet service provider, and it pretty much works. And just to use as an analogy, when I was growing up, my dad had this amazing Bang & Olsen stereo that was 27 components and required 72 different kinds of wires to connect back together. And it had, you know, tubes in it and everything. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere within eight feet of it and everything, but it was because it was this house of cards, right? And by the time I was old enough to want a stereo myself, it was a boombox. Like in that intervening, you know, 13 years, stereo systems had gone from these very complicated things with multiple components that did each a very specific thing into a single box that was literally plug and play. And the the reason why cybersecurity is a bigger challenge in, in the home is the same thing that for our enterprises, we are used to the Bang & Olufsen network model where we have lots of dedicated components that do very specific things because, of course, they have to do it at scale. But for home users to make home internet work at all, it had to be simplified down to a plug-and-play box that just worked even if the home user did it. It just wasn't secure. And that wasn't really a problem because most people rely on two things. One, security by obscurity. 
You know, who's going to attack little old me? Who even knows that I exist? Who, you know, but also the idea that no one's going to break in my house because I don't have a Monet hanging on the wall. Like there's literally nothing of value in my house that anybody would want. The window they break is more valuable than anything they would be taking out. So why would they steal the, oh, great. They're going to take control of my Windows 95 PC or whatever. Like, there's nothing. So that's why the trouble is that at this point, people have overlooked the most valuable thing in the house, which is them and the things that are in their head. They know their personal, personally identifiable information. They have, you know, even if they have biometric scans, you know, fingerprint and stuff like that, that kind of stuff could be captured or intercepted in some way. They are giving credit card numbers to Amazon so they can buy another 300 pounds of toilet paper or whatever it is, right? So, you know, all that information and people are giving their health information. They're talking to doctors online. They're, they're doing all these things that identify them and they are a rich, valuable resource for people to take advantage of if somebody wanted to do it. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing people who are clicking on links for, you know, latest coronavirus information.pdf, and it's an infected file, which puts a Trojan or a keylogger or something on their system. And now everything that they say, all the corporate information, all the non-corporate information, everything about them is being captured and transmitted. So that that's why it's hard. It's hard because before there was no way to know if there was anything valuable in the house. Now Anybody who wants to do malicious stuff knows that everybody is basically home. And that's what makes it a bigger challenge um, for the IT practitioner who now has to do is this widely dispersed workforce. They now have to wrap their head around what I'm calling BYOD times a thousand. It's actually BYOD times the number of employees that you have. Like BYOD was bad enough. I think a lot of our heads exploded when that really became a thing. Like, what do you mean I have to deal with my coworkers' iPad that they got for Christmas? Like, I don't want to do that, you know, but all right. So we figured out a way we set up guest networks and we said certain things are okay and certain things aren't, but we knew that they weren't going to lug their grandpa box into, as I affectionately call the, you know, actual desktop PC behind me, you know, they're not lugging that into the office. So there was a limit to the things that I had to deal with as an, as a network engineer, as an IT support person. Now it's all mine. I got to deal with on some level, I may have to deal with any and all of it. You know, yes, I'm still running windows seven. Yes. I'm, you know, I, I have reader rabbit on it. So, you know, my, my brother actually works in desktop support also. And he said that as of today, everyone, all 9,000 people that he's supporting in his company, everyone needs a laptop by Friday. Like, and he's joking, but not joking. So, and, and why? Because people were unprepared, not by any fault, but they were just unprepared for this, this volume of work from home stuff. With all that said, I think there are things that people can do. And yeah, and how, and what other things? How do people stay secure working at home? There is a level of, there's a small level of personal responsibility that home, that homebound work from home people are going to have to take, but it is worth it in the same way that we are being careful with our health. We are being careful with where we go. We are being careful with who we interact with. We can do the same thing, you know, on the internet. It is almost the same thing. And the good news is we don't have to worry about everyone out there. We just have to deal with our own home network. So the first thing that I would say is, um, 
and the easiest thing is to take a look at the stuff that you're using, meaning your phone, your pad, your computer, whatever it is, and make sure it's all up to date. Update everything. That includes the antivirus software that you have. What you don't have it, you'll be buying it. Get some antivirus software and then update it. It's like, that's my wash your hands version for IT. Have you updated your software? Good. Update it again. Just keep, you know, make sure everything's up to date because that's how we're going to stay safe from the most current threats, generally speaking. And while you're shopping for an antivirus package, also get a password manager. And my other wash your hands message is change your passwords. Did you change them? Good. Change them again. Um, and people, and that's where people start to freak out. I can't change all my passwords and, and passwords have to be different. You can't have the same password for everything, which is why you need a password manager. They're not expensive. There's some free ones out there. I'm not going to give any brands, but there's, you know, get that, you know, antivirus password manager, update your software, do those three simple things. And you can really, that's baseline. The next thing is uh, take a look at your the internet router you have in your house. Most people are using Wi-Fi, so I'm just going to say it's a Wi-Fi router and just make that assumption. Take a look at it, log into it. What? You've never logged into it? I'm not surprised. I am disappointed. Please log into it. Um, just make sure you can. And then as soon as you logged in, change that password because that is not unique. That brand of router that you have has the same password for every single one that has ever been sold. And all the hackers know that. So change your damn password. Um, make it whatever you want, but make it something that's not the default. And if you can also change the admin username, because again, that's known information. And that will make literally doing that one thing, changing the password and admin uh, user of your router will make you 50 or 60% safer than you were a minute ago. Once you're in, take a look at the security things that you've got going on there. See, see what options. I can't say here in this conversation what is and isn't available because it varies by brand. It varies by model. It varies by whatever. Many of the newer routers have wizards that will walk you through doing common security tasks. And that's a really good thing to do because then it's just mostly yes, no questions. Um, it'll give you a chance to block services that you know that you're not using. For example, if you know that there's not a lot of gaming going on, there's, you know, services you can actually turn off, you know, not permit gaming traffic, not permit file sharing traffic, not, you know, you can go through those. I'm going to say that once you get to this point, you don't want to get crazy, fancy, adventurous. This is not the time for that. Do the things that make sense to you. Do the things that either you understand or that someone can explain to you. Don't turn everything on because it looks bright and fancy and flashy. Also, make sure that if you change something, you make a note of it on a piece of paper, because if you have to change it back, you want to know what it was before. Yes, it sounds a little tedious. Trust me, IT professionals do, have done this since, you know, the dawn of time. We don't change anything before we write down what the previous value was, because sure shooting, it's going to happen. You're going to need to put it back. Um, so anyway, you want to, you want to, Take a look through the options. Sometimes you can set up alerts that will tell you when something goes wrong or gets changed or whatever. Make sure that you have Wi-Fi security because now that you've protected the, the boundary between the internet and your house, you also want to protect the boundary of the wireless signal and your neighbors. So make sure that you turn on WPA2, PSK, um, Wi-Fi security and set a password. 
And that way you know that you're on your network and nobody else is. Um, not that we're not caring people, not that we don't want to share with everybody, but we don't want to share with absolutely everybody that we don't know we're sharing with. So just, you know, it's a good step to take. Um, turn off remote configuration. No, you don't need remote configuration. I swear to God that if you're actually reading and listening to this podcast, I promise you, you're not the kind of person who needs remote configuration. Trust me on that one. Just turn it off. I don't have remote configuration on, and I've been in IT for 30 years. You don't need it. Trust me. Um, again, that'll keep you safe. And like I said before, just to reiterate, when you change something, make sure you document what you changed and what it was before. And then, so that's your Wi-Fi router. And if you do that, plus all the software stuff I mentioned, you are, you know, I'm not going to put a number on it, but a whole bunch, millions of times safer than you were, you know, five minutes ago before you started it. And the last thing is log into your ISP account. Typically, if you have an internet service provider, you have a login to take a look at your services. Of course, they give you a lot of fancy banners to upgrade and blah, 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 all that stuff. But take a look because sometimes some providers actually offer you from the service provider themselves the ability to turn on firewalls, to block certain kinds of traffic, to again, protect yourself. And now you're protecting yourself not at the boundary of your house. You're actually protecting yourself where the signal originates from the the service provider's facility. And that way it doesn't even come close to you. And that's also really useful. Last piece is look into a DNS service. Um, I'm going to give you examples, not because I care about those versus others, but that way you can look it up. Open DNS or WebRoot or DNS filter are, are three examples of them. What these services do is that they are crowdsourced so that if one person is getting attacked from a particular IP address, if one person is getting, you know, hacked, the, the DNS provider recognizes that and shuts it down for everybody using the service. So we're now talking about herd immunity from hacking. And that's a really valuable thing to have. So that's the last piece. And if you do those things, which are not particularly technical, they're not very difficult, and all of them are made for the home user. They're all intended to keep the home user, uh, you know, to be used by home users. So there's a lot of step-by-step -step guides and how-tos and things. If you do that, you're in, you will not have built the Bang & Olufsen network. You don't need 27 different kinds of components that all connect together with 57 kinds of wires and things like my dad's stereo, but you will have made a much more secure environment. So what kind of challenges does this bring to in-house IT departments? You're going to deal with an enormous range of people at the end of the phone. Um, you know, there's an old video on the internet. Um, it, if you want to look it up, it's called the Internet Help Desk. It's a co actual comedy routine. And the punchline at the end of this comedy routine is, hey, do you have a, a kid around, like a 10 or 11-year-old? And they put the kid on the phone, and he's like, yeah, can you just run, 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 And he gives all his tech. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, good, and done. So you may, as the in-house IT provider, find yourself talking to the 10-year-old in the house because they are better able to handle some of the things that might need to be done. Hopefully not. Um, you know, I don't mean to, you know, disrespect every human walk in the face of the earth, but look, I'm a, I'm a mess in the kitchen. I cannot for the life of me, you know, not, you know, cook spaghetti. So, you know, we all have our thing. So you're, the first thing is 
to be really, really patient and really, really empathetic because not only are people, you know, your marketing department, your accounting department, your, you know, everybody is being asked to do things that are completely out of their lane just to get their job done. But they're also seeing a complete change in their environment. I mean, think about how disorienting it is just to change offices, just to change desks sometimes takes people a, a moment to get up to speed on. Now we're asking them not only to change entire physical location, to encroach work on personal life, but to do it while their entire family is also doing it. So of a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, one, one of my one of my close friends who's a, an introvert and has always worked from home said, you know, working from home has always been like the introvert's paradise. But, uh, you know, my family's home now and I'm back in an open office plan, except that my coworkers are jumping on the couch next to me saying, daddy, 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 daddy. You're like, this is I'm not I didn't sign up for this. So be empathetic that that you're your coworkers and the people that you're supporting are dealing with a whole lot of things um, as you're supporting. So it's more the people side of support than the technical side of support that you're dealing with. And then there's the scale issues, which is, you know, do you have enough seats in your VPN concentrator? Do you have enough licenses for the software? Once again, going back to the software, if you as an IT, an enterprise IT person, if you know that you have a password manager software, please think about extending the licenses so it covers every single device of every single employee because you will make your life a million times better just by offering that relatively inexpensive perk. I, I hate to call it a perk. Same thing with antivirus. Extending that antivirus to every device in the house is going to mean that the you know kid's iPad doesn't accidentally infect the work laptop. Um, you're, you're really saving yourself a bit of time. Those are some of the challenges. Really, I think the thing that we as IT people who, uh, it's not that IT people are more introverted. I've had this conversation a bunch of times. I am obviously not an introvert. However, the work that we do tends to be more solitary than other work is that a lot of times in order to accomplish what we need to accomplish, we need that focused flow time to be in the zone. So we're used to doing things that put us in that place, whether that's physically separating ourselves or putting on the noise canceling headphones or just segregating ourselves mentally so we can get focused on writing that router config or creating that script, you know, 3000 line script or whatever it is that we're doing. We're used to that modality. Whereas other people, I mean, think about your sales staff, their entire life is based around having interactions and conversations with other human beings. So the thing is, is that because we understand it better, I think the thing that we can do most is help our more introverted and more interactive coworkers build a sense of community because work may now be the only non-family adults they interact with, but building spaces where employees can talk about non-work things safely. I mean, not that it's unsafe, right? But, you know, set up a channel in Teams or Slack or whatever it is for, you know, football, March, you know, even though football isn't happening, fantasy football or whatever, you know, like, so bad sports is a bad example, but, you know, whether you want to talk about, you know, latest TV shows or parenting tips or, like, this is the non-parenting zone. We are not going to talk about anything parenting right here, right now. We're all going to be big people for a minute or whatever it is, but build those spaces. Your users may not know that they can do that. 
But if you start that ball rolling, they'll realize that they can build real human conversations. You may have to put out regular tips in a newsletter format to say, did you know that you can have a group in Teams and click a single button and have video and see everybody? And maybe you just want to do that for lunch. Maybe you just want to do that for a half hour in the morning and a half hour in the afternoon, not for work, just, hey, just wanted to see some people. What are you eating? Oh, that looks really good. How did you make that? Just having water cooler conversations. Uh, again, as IT pra practitioners, we tend to know what's possible way more than the average user. And if we don't tell them, they won't know. Right. And I realize that that sounds like not a technical thing like that's not my job but again because we know it in the same way that we know what the capacity is on the email server so we're able to communicate hey you know we we have to cut everyone back in their email inbox or whatever like we do that all the time same thing here we have to help our uh enterprise our business come up to speed on this you know what ends up being a personal and technological overlap um, work from home, this is a little bit off topic, but uh, work from home has been a growing trend for a handful of years now. Do you think this pandemic could push more people to work from home even after it's all over? Um, I'll tell you what I think and I'll tell you what I hope. What I think is that there may be some um, loosening. I, I think that for some companies where the staff have proven that it is uh, a positive thing, that the company itself will consider it more than they have in the past. Of course, there are some companies that have been completely virtual for years, you know, um, so obviously no change there. What I also will see is that some people who thought work from home was gonna be like, you know, amazing are like, I cannot wait to get back to human interaction. There's gonna be this giant group hug when this is all over, like, I just need, I just need people near me. People just be standing shoulder to shoulder just to, because they can as a, a reaction. So there's going to be that also. Um, I think that there will be some loosening of work from home. I hope it will be seen as a both and rather than an either or option that businesses will realize that work from home is not an all or nothing, that it is, there are benefits to it and saying, look, we were able to trust you, you know, to work from home and get work done and keep the business running 100% of the time. So now we know that if you need to work from home, you will. And if you don't need to work from home, you won't. And we know that the work is gonna happen regardless. And so where you are is less important to us than it used to be. Now, I also think that some companies may try to push the envelope in the other direction, meaning they may say, this was so successful, we can get rid of our building. We can downsize, we can save on all that rent or whatever. And, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I, 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 it's hard for me to say, um, but this is definitely going to be part of people's sort of uh, social memory for a long time to come. Well, that, uh, guys, thanks very much for taking taking some time to uh, talk to me about this. Um, you guys stay safe and stay healthy. Um, that's, everyone's ending their emails with that. I've, I've been ending everything with wash your damn face. Thank you for listening to My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you do your job better. If you'd like to learn more, head to MyTechDecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. Until next time.